Are you ready to get out of your head and into the heart? Into the heart space, an intentional space for deep diving, heartfelt conversations, spiritual discussion, and conscious raising content. I'm Kelly Keith, and I'm so grateful to be here creating with you all. So let's get cozy into our hearts and rise together once again. Okay, I'm so excited for this episode. Uh, today we have a good friend of mine, Ariel Vieira, who's a filmmaker, a storyteller. He's the host of the Facebook live show, Urbanist, uh, where they help explore all history, religion, and mythology all around the world. He's also a master of cultivating flow and creativity and just sharing the wealth of knowledge in general, just effortlessly from the heart. So I'm super excited to get to have this chat with you today. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me into the heart space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, um, I love that it's really just these spaces of us getting to chat and knowing that anyone who's listening, they're as if they're in the circle with us right now. And so it's always just effortless flow of it coming in. And it's been the normal theme is that we kind of start engaging in conversation and then we pause and be like, wait, we should probably start the like recording of the podcast because mm -hmm. there's just quality happening. And I want to circle back to where we started before we went to setting up where you were sharing, like you're just really beginning to talk a bit more about spirituality and like your beliefs and growing into that comfortable space. Um, so I would love to just kind of like blast the doors open and hear like what that journey has been like for you in starting to share that and like your personal journey and like what brings us right here like oh talking about it a little bit more openly yeah i'm coming out as a mystic ah, <laughs> da, 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 da. you uh, hear it first here no but um yeah i've been writing about spirituality for nearly 10 years at this point ever since i started writing on tumblr on a daily basis mm -hmm. and a lot of those writings were about spirituality and personal growth but in the past two years i've been getting super deep into spirituality and world religious and mythology uh, and what brought me to it is uh, I just wanted to like start speaking about it, especially since I already do a lot of speaking about history. And through history, I start seeing how things end up repeating and how things are very uh, similar throughout different types of histories mm. uh, that I feel like it just makes sense to also talk about spirituality and mysticism. Cool. And like for you, is there like because you were mentioning before that there's almost like noticing a slight like resistance in yourself of like bringing it in and I'm curious of as we're hitting this world as a society we're talking more and more about it um, but I'm curious of is that like what was that resistance around that was that more of a like I won't I won't yeah. even project onto that what, what was yeah. that for you? No that's a great question I think the the resistance is mostly the fear of being ostracized mm. because uh, these topics uh, could get very esoteric, they can get very confusing, they could get very mind-bending, and sometimes they can be shocking to a lot of people who don't want to hear about these topics. Mm -hmm. So definitely in, in when I talk about history, I avoid going too deep into these topics or uh, because of uh, just to ease people into more of the mythology and the, and the, and the connections between disparate events in history is a great like uh, primer to 
continue further into these topics. So I think the resistance is mostly just the fear of shocking people and the fear mm. of confusing people. Mm, yeah. Fair. Yeah, it's like I find a lot of times there's been conversations where I go in and where I'm like, stop, or I'm like, whoa, I totally, I went somewhere else on, I was not grounded in this conversation and blasted someone's head off before and be like, I'm sorry, I'm back. So I totally get that. Um, and it's fun to see like at the same time, the opposite's happening as well, where I'll be engaged in conversation with someone and like, we just naturally are navigating. And the next thing I know, we're in a whole other realm of esoteric, like, and like mysticism that I wasn't seeing coming because we're just hitting a space of so much expansion. And like, we're all ready to talk about it and like do the things. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, because ultimately, like any of these topics, there's always a certain truth upon them. Mm. You don't need to actually believe anything that's being said. You can just enjoy talking about it in the moment. And that's why I've learned why it's okay to talk about spirituality, mysticism. You can call it anything. Um, it's okay because I think ultimately it's some t it's fun to talk mm -hmm. about in the moment. Uh, that's why one of my f uh, favorite inspirations is Alan Watts. Mm -hmm. um, and he called himself a spiritual entertainer. And he was that because mm -hmm. he talks about these ideas that are really deep. Um, and regardless of the level of learning you are at the period in your life, they still are very entertaining to learn. And that's how I approach history, um, talking about really interesting topics about history, maybe art history, architecture, or mythology, in a way that's just entertaining to people. So mm. they're, they're definitely getting information dump, but the information dump is not the focus. The focus is to just have a fun time. Mm. And that's why I like to do in my spiritual writings. It's, it's uh, definitely sometimes an information dump or inspiration dump. Mm, but love I, that. I just want people to just read the flow of it. Mm. And that's why I sometimes like writing more poetically than I like writing more literally. Mm. Yeah. Love that. that's, you're definitely one of my friends that is such a great embodiment of like, it all just needs to be fun. Like mm -hmm. everything you do is always fun and finding the ways of like finding the fun. And like there's been times you feel like, mm, this wasn't fun anymore, so it's done. And like being able to drop that, I find that so admirable. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I find it super important to always, as you mentioned, just always find the fun yeah. uh, in everything that I do or mm. everything. I think just in general, it's always very important to find the fun because once you're having fun, something's going right, yeah. regardless of what it is. And sometimes do, doing too much analysis around it might kill the fun mm. in certain respects. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Uh, I had a teacher one time we were just kind of I don't know breaking down something and he's just like Kel it just it always just needs to come back to fun I'm like yeah 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 he goes no 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 but I'm gonna take it even deeper because that's that's how I I operate in this many layers of fun it's the fundamental understandings of nature when we're able to be in flow of like a fun it's because we've been able to embody and be in like at ease with the fundamental understandings of nature in that moment and being able to go into that yeah, I, that's a great point. For example, um, one of the, I listened to a lot of Abraham Hicks, mm -hmm. or I used to, and one thing she mentioned was uh, she was one day hanging out with her husband, Jerry Hicks, who they were both who the ones who started doing all the lectures mm -hmm. together. And Jerry was like, he was about like 70 years old at the point that of this story, and they went over to some woodland area where they had to cross a stream that looked very dangerous to cross mm. with a bunch of rocks. And she was so astonished that Jerry at the age of 70 just like hopped across the rocks. And that was because he was in flow. Mm. 
he didn't care about the danger of the rocks. He just loved so much to be in this woodland area that he just got into the flow and whatever danger could have been the case mm. wasn't the case. Uh, I think the same thing is, mm. is uh, when I do at least my talking about history, yeah. uh, the way I'm able to kind of tap into that flow is by having fun in the utmost way possible. Mm. I can't really get into the flow if I don't find the fun first. Beautiful. Yeah. And so if like for you and your practice of getting into flow state or finding like you're able to cultivate flow, is that something that you find is something that is applicable across the board to like support maybe a listener listening of ways to be able to get into a flow state? Yeah. So for context for everyone listening to the podcast, I do usually one hour uh, broadcast on Facebook Live, unscripted, unrehearsed, uh, and also without notes, mm -hmm. and talking about really in-depth stories about history. So how I, in order to do that well, I have to tap into a flow. If I don't tap into a flow, then it'll just be a mess. Mm. Uh, so how do I do it? I think one of the first steps is to find the fun, because even when I'm researching the history, or if I'm writing a, a post about spirituality, I have to find the fun in whatever I'm talking about. Mm. If it's a drag for me, or if it feels like work, then it's, it's not gonna work. Mm -hmm. I think the second step is to kind of just let the words, trust that the words are going to come to you as you're talking, mm. and trust in the flow and the rhythm of words. Because even right now, I have no idea what I'm going to say next, mm -hmm. but I'm just allowing the words to come out. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to repeat yourself and just let it flow. Mm. Yeah. Cool. And so, when you're, so say for someone who's listening, if they are working on wanting to do like a creative project or something, or there's like, what, let me actually backtrack. What is your definition of being in flow? What's flow state? Well, the flow state is basically when something that seems very difficult to do is very easy to do and very seamless and sometimes a deeper flow state is when you completely lose track of time or space and it's almost kind of you just went into this time warp and you come out of it uh, all dazed and confused like what just happened uh, i think that's the flow state cool yeah yeah it's I think it's just so beautiful. It's that space of us like really shifting from the, okay, let me be hustle, let me hustle, let me hustle. And just like, no, it really, we don't need to hustle. We just need to align and allowing it to flow and being able to like take the spaces and it's like, cool, what do I need to do to get into alignment to allow it to just kind of like flow and have that, that ease and that joy. And it's, it's such a beautiful difference. Yeah, yeah. When I started my journey of like uh, doing history videos, three years ago, I just quit my nine to five job and started doing full freelance mm. and history videos. And at first I was taking part of the hustle culture. So just like thinking about action steps and working hard and mm. pushing myself. But then after a while, I just realized that flow is way more effective. And fun. <laughs> and, fu and lots of more fun. Yeah, because um, for example, sometimes in certain videos that I do, if I really love what I'm talking about, and I only do like one or two hours of research, which is very little compared to sometimes 10 or 20 hours of research mm -hmm. I do for a video. If I just sometimes really love something and just like, which I've done before, just rushed research for one hour because I was so damn fascinated mm. about topic and then go live. 
and just let the words flow, it becomes extremely easy because I'm already invested into it in a emotional level. I just have so much fun learning about mm. it that all the connections will come on the spot. You just have to trust the the spot or the the moment that is on hand. Yeah. yeah. How do you how do you anchor yourself into trust in those moments? Ooh, that is one of the coolest <laughs> learnings <laughs> I've had. <laughs> yeah, I think um I think the more you do it, the more you trust yourself. Mm. Maybe writing, maybe well, I do speaking, maybe a bunch of other things, even gardening. Um, however, I think also just realizing that the world takes care of you. Mm. So that's one mantra I keep repeating, repeating to myself is the world takes care of me. And by thinking that, I realize whatever I say or whatever moment I'm in, it's going to work out well. Mm. Because nothing could really ultimately go wrong. Ultimately. Mm. Beautiful. Well, those are just little gems. I just wrote those down. Those are just so beautiful. I, I love the, it's actually been a reoccurring statement in different ways that are coming up in different conversations over this yeah. last week of being back in New York. Just really refreshing because when this airs, I'll still, I'll be back a little bit, but I just got back from the travels in Europe and so like kind of integrating back in that space of, okay, so what's next? Kind of in that space of the new creations are ready to come, what's coming through, and the reoccurring theme right now is like, cool, welcome back, and like the world takes care of you, like it's all here. Yeah. And so it's nice to see like that's just kind of circling around so deeply right now, and like that's the most sure-footing thing. Well, you just said the word, uh, you just said the perfect word, circling. Hmm. So I think of it as yin and yang. Hmm. Yang is that momentum forward, hmm. that do 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 uh, atmosphere that. Uh, drive mm. uh, where you are in flow for me i was two weeks in rome i was doing videos on a daily basis mm. in two weeks i did about 40 videos wow i just went i was completely in the moment uh and then i came back and i'm like okay what do i do now yeah. <laughs> i'm a little bit bored of new york so <laughs> what do i do now and i realize uh it's an opportunity for yin mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to kind of just go back into base mode and just relax totally. go rest well yeah because the thing is, if the world takes care of you, then rest up now because stuff can get, get crazy in a good way. Hell yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's um, the lunar cycle. It's of being able to be in that. And I appreciate, you know, being around others who get that as well, of us being able to kind of create our own cycles and our own rhythms, even amongst the, the crazy chaos and being able to curate our days into what's going to really work for us and going against the typicals of what is known of being able to regulate the self-care in a way that's going to allow for that rest and going into those spaces i think you posted recently like very recently Mm -hmm. something around like self-care and like regulation on one of our groups that we're a part of yes oh yeah ask people what what's their practices for Mm self-love for self-love cool i'm curious of maybe a couple of your favorite practices and then if there's anything that like someone put out there that you were like oh yeah good good practices for self-love what i like doing is um making videos because Mm -hmm. that's the thing uh, i love doing the most and it's so easy to me Mm -hmm. at this point or it feels good that's easy to me Mm -hmm. uh and then also is listening to stand-up comedy 
is is uh, is a very good practice of self love. Mm -hmm. Just like being able to laugh at something. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. And then meditation. Also, like, no, not even meditation. Just uh, taking a very slow breath mm. in and then letting it hold for four seconds and then out. That just like really puts you in the moment. Totally. Yeah. Cool. What's your one of your favorite go-to's? Beautiful. Yeah. Cool. So, have you always been history buff? Like, how did you get into your deep passion for history and creating these videos and sharing the wealth of knowledge that you receive through research and <coughs> passion? Yeah, that's a great question. I've been obsessed with history ever since I was very little. Mm. I used to, when I was very little, I used to like look at maps and kind of memorize the countries. Mm. And then beyond that, I would be like, hey, what's in Azerbaijan? And I would go on the early days of Wikipedia or, or before Wikipedia was Lonely Planet. So I would go to Lonely Planet wow, and search up every Lonely single- Lonely Planet. Yeah, <laughs> I would search up all the countries and just learn all the facts about mm. each country. Uh, and yeah, I was very obsessed with that. But the interesting thing is that history was a pathway to me getting into spirituality. Mm. Because the cool thing about history is that the deeper you go into history, the further back, things get really weird and murky. Uh, and then you end up learning much deeper truths about humanity. Hmm. For example, of where we get certain phrases from, yeah. like the grass is greener on the other side. Where does that come from? Well, the interesting thing is it does come from somewhere. It hmm. comes from ancient hermetic beliefs. <laughs> and then that led me on the path of, of, of wondering what is Zen? What is Buddhism? What is Taoism? What is et cetera, et cetera. Can you yeah. share, do you have more insight of the phrase, the grass is always greener? What? That one, um, not specifically, that one has been said a whole lot in the past like century. Okay. And it might uh, be tied also to Norman Vincent Peale who wrote The Power of Positive Thinking. Okay. And it was, uh, it was said a lot by Ronald Reagan. That's what I know. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact. Who was a fan of Norman Vincent Peale. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, that's something history and I because my strong suit of memory and knowledge is never on like numbers and dates and things of that nature I'm very I'm incredible at remembering conversations I have with people or things about my friends and things like that like the archives of that is yeah. my strength and so I'm always just so much respect and admiration for the one being able to like retain the information and I've been attracting more and more friends who are historians are just like in the wealth of these archives of of life mm -hmm. and i've been as i'm learning more of the past through the things that you guys are teaching and like experiencing like come out of the black gotham experience in new york where he goes into the first hundred years of america that there's no real documentation of it yeah. and like bringing that through with walking tours and experiencing that and then being able to integrate that into like my day-to-day -day life now and seeing of like whoa i can see how parts of that are here right now and being like it's bringing my life in present day to a new level and it's brought my like level of respect for history to a new level um and so like i'm curious of how you see like the importance of history in present day right now, like and how that's having a role, like why you feel it's so important that you're sharing that. Yeah, so for example, for a very good example is um, climate change. Hmm. 
a lot of people are very afraid right now of climate change and how uh, the water levels are rising and um, how temperatures are rising in certain places and temperatures are plummeting in other places. And the interesting thing is across many world mythologies, we have accounts of a cataclysmic event that happened uh, many tens of thousands of years ago. Mm. Uh, that's the Great Flood. And I think even in our current day, we still have remnants of that fear from things that have happened in the deep past. Mm. And that's what I like uh, uh, talking about in terms of history, because when you start realizing that our mythology is always based on an ounce of truth, then they illuminate to us where our beliefs come from because we have a bunch of beliefs and a lot very few people bother asking wait where does it come from because mm. they just assume it's a constant within our lives it's a constant within our lives that we're afraid that we won't live long enough it's a constant within our lives that we um are are afraid of many different things uh, like uh, for example we're afraid of technology um, uh, combining with us mm. a lot of these stories are already repeated in myths and I think these myths have had a trickle-down effect to our current day lives and when you yeah. say that meaning because they were spoken about back in the day as like a figment of imagination they've now become reality here in the present that's a very interesting way of looking at it. So in a way, fiction can become fact. Yeah. But I think it's more the opposite. Okay. I think uh, every mythology has a, a ounce of truth within it, hmm. some type of truth within it. So for example, uh, one of my favorite teachers is Neville Goddard, yes. who, yes. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we that was one of our him. big bonding yeah. moments, yeah. Well, the interesting thing about him is that he was very deeply inspired by the Gnostic texts, mm. uh, like the Book of Thomas. And the Book of Thomas is one of the books of the Bible that was omitted from the Bible at the Council of Nicaea. Uh, I think it was around the 400s, mm. or a little, a little bit later than that. And it was part of canon for a few hundred years in early Christianity. And it frames uh, the story of Jesus all as also being an internal journey. So, for example, bearing the cross is bearing our sins, bearing our, our past mistakes, and moving forward with it. Mm -hmm. And eventually being born again from uh, admitting to those mistakes and admitting to those faults and moving through them and moving forward with them. Uh, and a lot of that story, a lot of those stories reflect within our own internal lives. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and like, I love that you said it and just got brought here. Because as you were saying before of, you know, talking about the Great Flood and all these things of there's this deep-rooted fear that we've been carrying just from the things that have happened in the past. Yeah. Of, you know, things that have happened in history. But so much of that is exact parallel of what's happening in our inner worlds of the subconscious mind of carrying those past beliefs and being able to bring that through and the fears that we can play out based on just what's going on in the deep-rooted past so there. So I got a perfect, uh, very current example. So right Literally. now we have this meme called OK Boomer. Okay. Uh, where it's basically a bunch of kids, mostly either our age or younger, 
that are making fun of boomers and basically saying that they are people out of touch, people who are destroying our world, okay. and people that we have to get rid of. Hmm. Like Greta Grunberg said in front of the UN. The thing is that this meme is basically the same thing that the hippies did. Who were the boomers? The hippies hmm. were boomers. They did against the greatest generation, which was the generation before them. They also said F you to that generation. They said F the rules to that generation. And they wanted to overthrow them wow. also. So the same, the history is literally repeating itself. And I find comfort in that hmm. because it goes to show that if it goes to show that time works more in a fractal manner where things start repeating itself, but there is diminishing returns because the more we learn about something, the less we'll experience of it. We even see that within our own lives or we, we, for example, if we have a parent figure who is very uh, overbearing mm. or, or a parent figure that's very anxious, for example, we'll keep meeting a parent figure and we'll keep meeting a people that are very anxious throughout our lives over and over and over again. Some people never quit that cycle and then they end up wondering to themselves, wait, why, why is mm. my lover anxious? Why is my friend anxious? Why is my boss anxious? However, if you realize that the past always repeats itself, then you can see that we can learn from these repetitions that appear in our lives, whether it be individual or whether it be societal. Because on a societal scale, our current president is the same dude that was president 100 years ago. Mm. <laughs> it was a very similar figure. Yeah. So like, my question to you then is, looking, it's, it's a very philosophical, but looking at being able to have these disruptions that we're able to have in our lives to promote growth, to break these cycles essentially in these loops, looking at where we are as a society right now, like what would you see as like the shift, the need that it would be needed to be able to disrupt the cycles that we're currently playing out again right now? That's something I really keep on thinking about. The thing I keep on doing, the thing I'm driven to do or, or really happy to do uh, individually is to talk about history. Hmm. So one, for example, when I talk about history, especially in an entertaining context, I can talk about topics that people wouldn't talk about in the current day context. Hmm. So one specific exa example, I did a live video of Central Park Secrets. And towards the end of my video, I talk about Seneca Village. And Seneca Village was a African-American village in the 1800s, completely fully self-sustaining. They were building their own high school. They were starting to even build their own university. Uh, they were middle class. They were living in very great conditions. However, a plan came about to build Central Park. Hmm. And by pure happenstance, right on top of their village. And unfortunately, the city claimed eminent domain on that village, which means that they uh, bought all their houses and all their property for market value. And I say that with quotes mm. because that's up to the city to decide what the market value is. So the market value was very low and they destroyed the village, raised it to the ground and they displaced all these people. And where did these people end up living? They end up living in, in public housing. but in different areas of Manhattan. So the community was literally broken apart. Wow. 
and that kind of shows us um, how we how it's how we're being messed up treating certain minority groups in New York City. Nonetheless, telling this story uh, about history in the context of cool secrets about Central Park. It's a good way of talking about racism without not talking directly about racism. Mm. It, for example, I see myself as a good bartender. You come to me for a good drink. Mm. However, if you're suffering from depression, don't come to me. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or don't expect me to be your therapist. Mm. So my role as a entertainer, as a speaker, as a filmmaker, as a storyteller is to give people just a good story. A good story that'll and make them to ask more questions. My role is not to ail these societal harms. Mm. Hopefully someone will watch my show and they'll be doing that. Mm. I love yeah. like there's also such a clear, like respected like boundary there where like you're you're so clear of like your role in the part of like the piece of it all. Yeah. Of like cool this is my role, this is what you do, this is like your lane that you stay in. I, I'm just hearing my teacher, Erica, stay in your lane. Just If everyone just stays in their lane, like know your purpose, know your job, like stay in your lane and do the things, it can flow. Yeah. It's like, it's really beautiful. Um, I want to well, tangent, you, but I just, want, just in case there's someone who wants to learn more about um, the village and the story, like how would you recommend, is there any particular like resources or specific like phrases you would... Oh, in, or, in order to learn the, about the general history, search Seneca Village. Okay. Um, or Show notes will be in, guys. Search uh, Dark Secrets of Central Park Urbanist on Facebook. Obviously. Great. Yeah. We'll, we'll have that in the show notes. But um. the interesting thing about staying on your own lane is that I think a lot of us are kind of forced to... I think a lot of us are guilted to think that we should be doing everything. Mm. That if you are a politician you should also be uh, helping the individual to uh, have another meal for the, for the day. Mm. If you are a billionaire CEO, you're in charge of managing all the individual worker rights that are happening in a one factory of your uh, massive company. Uh, if you are an entertainer, you're responsible for maybe uh, healing people. Like, <laughs> And the thing is, one cannot do everything and we shouldn't do everything for example a lot of people like giving praise to people who build technology because right now we are a heavily technological uh, race of people so we praise the huge CEOs that uh, made companies like S Steve Jobs Elon Musk and the good example is Jeff Bezos so Jeff Bezos is one of the richest men in the world and he's made a amazing infrastructure uh, for logistics and delivering even the smallest amount of goods to the most remote of places and somehow very cheaply and very efficiently. That is quite a miracle technologically mm -hmm. speaking. However, Jeff Bezos in every single interview, he mentions that he was always a fan of Star Trek mm. and he continues to be a Trekkie to this day. And even when he was located, he would dress up as like Captain Kirk. Oh, I can see that. That's cute. So he s attributes building Amazon and now starting his rocket ship company to Star Trek. Hmm. If it weren't for Gene Roddenberry, who is the creator of Star Trek, who was just a storyteller, 
there might have not ever been a Jeff Bezos or Amazon yeah. or Blue Origins, which is uh, his rocket ship company. Mm. And the same thing applies to countless other people. Uh, I bet that there's countless other people who were, for example, um, Steve Jobs is the only book he had in his iPad was the book by, uh, I, f I have trouble oh, pr uh, pronouncing his name, but Yo Yogananda. Autobiography of a Yogi. Yeah, Autobiography yeah. of a Yogi by Yogananda. Yeah. And that guy, Yogananda, he was just merely a spiritual teacher, a guru. He wasn't a guy who was building massive computers. He wasn't starting technology, technology companies. He wasn't uh, helping the world uh, go through world star uh, helping feed the world right. uh, and starving countries he maybe could have done that but he was he was focused on being a spiritual guru yeah. and generally helping midwesterners learn about yoga <laughs> which sounds very trivial if you look at it right. in a very superficial sense like oh who's this yogi coming to midwesterners and showing them how to stretch and do a good downward dog mm. but lo and behold he wrote uh, such a great book that inspired a man to follow a very unique path in technology to design the iPhone that we have in our very own pockets. Yeah. So it goes to show that we can stay in our lane and inspire every other lane. Oh, I'm so refreshing. I'm so happy that the conversation got led here. It's yeah. just so, it's so powerful of seeing just like, it kind of brings us back to the conversation we're having before, before we were recording of like, just our truth. I mean, we're gonna. I'm gonna let us kind of launch off into like okay. another level of the of conversation, course, yeah. but of that space of just like we are enough, and just like doing whatever it is that we're feeling called to do in this moment of like because we're just the piece of the puzzle of what's going on, and just like owning and doing whatever that is. Like this is refreshing for me because I have a superwoman complex through and through, oh, yeah. and so this is just a dose of medicine for me of just being like, oh, you're good. Just keep doing the things that you're doing, Cal. Um, oh yeah, you're doing a great job <laughs> <laughs> with the you. heart space yes. and everything else associated with it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, like, kind of going back into the spaces of the true self and being truth. Like, because I'll be, I'll do the vulnerability of like this last year. I've had such another level of expansion, you know, of and like the creativity and the different projects coming through. And a lot of times, it brought me into a space of me being like, wait. Am I still who who I was? Am I still the things I was creating? Is that changing? Am I wanting to let that go? I learn every time I go, I'm like, okay, I'm going to throw this to the fire if it needs to be. Mm -hmm. In a couple of days, I'm given this amazing opportunity to be somewhere. I'm like, oh, no, 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 just kidding. This is where I'm supposed to be. But like that process of evolution we're all going through and being able to be in our, our real truth, whatever that is. Like, I'm curious for you. So we, like, started to touch on it. Yeah. And I left it as a, oh, this would be good for the podcast. And, like, attention <laughs> it. Like, for you, what is what is self? Like, what is true self? And, like, in this journey of us evolving so much as humans, like, what does that process look like of, like, staying true to self? Like, what does that statement true mean True you? self? Your true self. Like, staying true to self. Oh, oh to self. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good point. Um... For me, I've I've been uh, very um, stringently focused on being genuine as possible, authentic as possible, um, which 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 uh, me, um, 
which means that in order to be uh, for me i always found it so important to be as honest to myself as possible and honest to the world and it's really hard to do so it's easier said than done mm -hmm. of course because at any given moment there's uh opportunity to be someone else to put on another mask to bullshit or to um simply not speak your truth so i think it's a day-to-day -day, moment to moment practice mm. it's even a moment to moment practice i think if you focus on it being even day-to-day -day or year to year uh you're not really being true to self mm. because whoever you are at this exact moment will be very different who i am in the next moment and giving yourself that freedom to be a different person the next moment is really freeing yeah. because uh, I can be one person right now. I can be the, the storyteller. I can be the philosopher at this very moment, this very conversation. And the next minute, I like maybe shooting the shit and, and being sarcastic and, totally. and, and making puns. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and then the next moment, I could be a, a serious filmmaker and making a, a short film. Um, and I think giving yourself that freedom is, I think, the ultimate way to be true to self. I love that. Yeah. There's um, a poem I wrote recently, and in it, and a lot of the poems that I write, it's more just like a channeling. It's more just communication happening, and in it, it says, you know, like I've evolved so much from the person that I was before, and let's celebrate who this is. And let's be honest: by the time I share this poem with anyone, I'm already going to be evolved to be another version of myself again. Anyway, yes. it's just this constant going through, and like the different hats that you wear. So I'm going off of my own. Like when I'm wearing these different hats, whether I am in teacher mode or I'm in ceremonialist or I'm writing or I'm whatever it is in the different hats that I wear, there's different times where it's more of a opening up and sometimes allowing another like guide or someone that I work with to kind of come through and muse through me. Yeah. Um, it's kind of one of my MOs that I work with. Sometimes it's more just I'm inspired. And I need to move and go and do this thing right now. Um, do you have like any systems that you work with of like opening spaces and letting things flow through? Or are you more just kind of like in the moment? Like what's your different hat wearing game? Oh yeah, I mean it, it has been changing, mm -hmm. but right now I've really saw the power of allowing stillness. Mm -hmm. uh, so how I get stillness is basically just slowing my breathing down is mm -hmm. the easiest way I found it and just kind of not thinking about anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, thoughts are naturally going to come through, mm. but I just see them as clouds in the sky. I love your analogy for this. <laughs> oh, I'm glad, yeah. <laughs> and it's not original. It comes, I know, it comes from Eckhart Tolle, and then beyond that, it comes from Rumi. But when you say it, it's also, just so nice. Also the Taoists. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, they're just clouds in the sky. So I just am the guy sitting in the meadow looking at the clouds in the sky and not trying to name each cloud and label mm. each cloud and that's how I find stillness and by finding that stillness I'm able to uh, connect with uh, what I want to do or what I would like to do mm. basically that's it yeah cool. and it, the thing is getting that moment of stillness does not require uh, an hour meditation Totally. <laughs> you can literally do it in the middle of a crowded Times Square as people are shoving you to get out of their way. Uh, and I do that because I do a lot of videos in Times Square. It's, and I'm still <laughs> able to connect to that stillness. Um, all you got to do is just, uh, w the easiest way is just slowing down your breathing, I think. Mm -hmm. Totally. 
prana's prana's life yeah. quite literally um, but so, you had the second part to that question what was it yeah it's yeah. i'm so i just enjoy people's creative processes especially those who are evolving and becoming more intertwined of the allowing like the spiritual flow to come through the work and being used as like a muse I'm curious of if you find there's a direct correlation in your creative process with different energies or different like yeah, essences. For, yeah, for example, in terms of doing good history videos is sometimes it's learning about something I actually don't think it's fully related to the topic. Hmm. Interesting. Do you have an example? So a very good example is last year I got really intensely into uh graphic novels okay so i started reading alan moore's promethea right. which is a, a book i think everyone should read i'll be in the show <laughs> yeah. notes yeah i remember i remember you getting into this 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 book uh if you want to either awaken or know what awakening is read that book because it's a great way. Cheat code. Yeah, that's a cheat code basically for awakening, in my opinion. Uh, from my experience also. Uh, but nonetheless, I got super into graphic novels. I started reading that book. I started reading Neil Gaiman's uh, Sandman. I started reading Grant Morrison. And it got me into all these topics. And I started thinking, okay, this is going to be a waste of time because I'm a filmmaker and a storyteller. Mm. I might want to do a graphic novel, but uh, not right now at least. But how I end up tying in is that through Neil Gaiman, at least, I end up learning about mythology. Mm. And it got me really interested about ancient Greek and Roman mythology. And that inspired me later on to go to Rome and talk about the mythology there to the point where I went to Pompeii. And the cool thing uh, I like doing as a storyteller is finding the connections between stuff that people usually don't find the connections between. Mm, awesome. Uh, so I'm being a very big hipster <laughs> in terms of storytelling. <laughs> uh, making it cool before it was cool. Uh, but no, no, nonetheless, I was in, in Pompeii and I was trying to figure out this, this story is going to be a huge bummer because it's just about volcano killing people. <laughs> I could talk about literally the volcano killing people. And that... It, there are many fun parts about that story and many interesting parts about that story. Uh, however, when I end up learning the research, as I put on music, I put on a great band called Two Steps From Hell, which is this band that does trailer music that sounds very epic <laughs> uh, with uh, choruses and foghorns and stuff like that. Hmm. And I was reading that the day that Pompeii happened was the same day as Volcanalia, which is a... Uh, an event, uh, a festival in honor of the god Vulcan. And the god Vulcan, according to mythology, um, makes thunderous noises, and that means he's happy because he's working his forge. Hmm. So by pure happenstance, Vulcanalia was happening, and there was huge tremors happening from Mount Vesuvius. And rather than scaring people, saying shit is going down you gotta get out <laughs> they were like oh vulcan's happy let's stay here oh wow so that's why so many people stayed and it was too late for them to evacuate wow so seeing those connections um makes for a great story mm. because first it makes for uh 
an interesting way of looking at an event that people have told so many other times in a very dry way. Mm. Uh, now you look into the mythology and even seeing how Vulcan came about is very interesting when you tie into the story of Pompeii. Mm. So by learning graphic novels in the old game and I end up getting to that. <laughs> Found yourself in Rome yeah. and in Pompeii, in Pompeii sharing the story yeah. of things. And, uh, and that happens to me constantly where I learn about topics and it just gets me into a very different direction. Hmm. For example, I also got obsessed with Broadway last year and started learning everything about how Hamilton was made. Mm -hmm. And that also led me how uh, Phantom of the Opera was made and how uh, Les Mis was made. And I end up getting really deep philosophical learnings about it, mostly mm. the beauty of collaborating with other people mm. and that it's wonderful to share your art and um, your eagerness to work with others. It's awesome to do that. And I learned that by what seemed initially as a frivolous uh, obsession with Broadway. Yeah, and so that fun. I think that's the interesting thing is a lot of people uh, are afraid to ask deeper questions. So they're afraid to think too philosophically mm. about their interests. Mm. But there's nothing wrong with being philosophical. Philosophical, sure. I think, leads you to very interesting questions. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also beautiful, like, also that permission to just dive into a curiosity or a new interest in general. I'm just like with maybe no outcome not necessarily an outcome needing to be tied to it it's just oh there's this this breadcrumb if you will of like oh this interest that i'm just feeling called to explore and learn and not knowing where it's going to lead to so like like kind of like on both ends like allow the curiosity to come in and go and exploring into it and asking the bigger questions yeah it. curiosity killed the cat and that's good because he went to another parallel reality and learned it was a much better <laughs> <laughs> But yes. I think I think uh, that that term is uh, is uh, not hundred percent accurate. I think uh, curiosity does help you find the beauty of life. Yeah, and of ourselves and totally. Ourselves, We're yeah. not not getting curious and playing through spaces and and leaning into things. Yeah. 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 I'm curious. What are you leaning into right now? What's What's a new curiosity that's popping up on your radar recently? Speaking like this, freely speaking more about mysticism and spirituality. Mm -hmm is um, I really love Alan Watts and I just want to try his style. <laughs> and yeah. I, think, I think it's okay to also copy others yeah. in the beginning and, and then find your way through there. Totally. Because when I started doing history videos, I was copying from both Casey Neistat in terms of how I shot the videos okay. and I was copying from Anthony Bourdain on like how mm. he spoke. And R. then R. later I copied uh, Carl Sagan. But through doing already thousand live videos, I end up finding out my own style, which is very different from all those guys. And people don't say, you're like this guy yeah. anymore. Totally. They, they see me as a unique uh, voice in that realm. You're a very unique voice <laughs> Thank in you. every realm, yeah. my friend. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, that, that's what I'm leaning into right now. And the other thing I'm leaning into is uh, uh, getting more serious in a fun way mm. about filmmaking. Mm -hmm. yeah. Beautiful. Um, I'm excited for that as well. Yeah, well, for example, I've always been afraid. I'm going to be very vulnerable right now. Yes. In public, <laughs> which is a, something I actually thrive on. Yes, you're in the heart space. Let's uh, do it. I'm in the heart space. <laughs> so, 
let's enter. <laughs> so, B did the hard space. Uh, I've always been afraid of making films that would be too esoteric because mm. uh, I found many f- esoteric films to be boring. Um, like, no offense to any Hororo- Alejandro Jodorowsky fans. I truly appreciate his art, but I find his films uh, to, to put me to sleep. Mm. And I've always been afraid to do that. But also, I've always been afraid to make ideas that just would confuse people and kind of uh, piss them off. Mm. But I realize um, The Matrix is such a great movie about mm. philosophical ideas. They actually made a superhero based on philosophical ideas. And I thought to myself, why can't I do the same or something along those lines? So now I'm leaning in because I've wanted to do this for since I was very little. Now I'm le- fully realizing, wait a minute, I can tell movies, I can make sci-fi movies or superhero movies about grand ideas, yeah. about mysticism, non-duality, mythology, etc. Fuck yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so excited for that. And like, I love the permission you're, you're giving yourself and inadvertently giving to others of like finding those who have done work similar to what you're wanting to do and like copying like seeing like studying them seeing what they do and finding your own style between it like that's been a lot of as i'm starting to do more like the music projects like really starting to look at like okay cool who has like a similar feel to the things and like starting to extract that and kind of bringing it in like always those moments of like alan there's actually an alan watts um album an artist like put alan watts stuff yes. to the tracks you've experienced yeah. yeah like i post it on my story Acon all the time. or something like that something, yeah, yeah like yeah like i i'm listening to that Akida. album Akida. all the time yeah. um, I love them. Yeah. like between that and then Londrell's another artist like a lot of these like spoken things with music added to it is what i've been studying a lot so i just i appreciate that like yeah we're here to learn from one another it kind of goes back to what you're saying with history like everything we're doing it's been done before in some way, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing original yeah. uh, because none of us are original. <laughs> we're both very original and we're not original we're at so the same time. We're so special, but so is everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think because of that, it's okay to copy, just copy genuinely, copy with, with heart. Don't copy out of fear because when you copy out of fear, then you end up um doing something that will either get out of your control or just be utter shit yeah people Um, can feel it that's people can feel a mile away that's the beauty of truth like truth is truth Mm -hmm. like it hits it hits you Mm -hmm. know like and it's just that's why you can feel the heart which is so beautiful exactly yeah yeah Yeah. so i think uh give yourself permission to copy whoever you want to copy Uh, as long as you do it with truth and yeah. heart and then move forward from that. Don't yeah. get stuck in it. Yeah. Because <laughs> getting stuck in it is no fun either. Because you're not a tree. Don't be yeah. stuck. You're not a tree. Keep <laughs> yeah, <moving>. exactly. <laughs> don't get that grounded. Yeah. <laughs> Earth, don't ground. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. That's not good advice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I want to, you brought up the matrix. And so I want, I want to give this space because I'm also just interested for the answer. You recently had a revelation of what it meant in the matrix when they said there there is no spoon yeah because there is no spoon <laughs> tell me so, more um have you ever seen the matrix oh, yes yeah so that scene of there is no spoon when i first saw it i just had no clue what it meant and when i was the age of 12 i watched the matrix around 10 times in a row wow because i wanted to 
learn what it meant. Mm. And I got it superficially. So I knew what they meant about robots. I knew what they meant about simulations and taking the red pill versus the blue pill. I, I knew all those things. But the there is no spoon always eluded me because the superficial reason for there is no spoon is basically saying don't look at just the spoon uh, look at it as yourself and then you can bend it hmm. but I think there's even more profound teaching so I was traveling to Paris and I decided to go see uh, on the plane I decided to put on the matrix which luckily was one of the movie selections nice and this ties to my love for graphic novels a year ago because Grant Morrison wrote a book called The Invisibles mm. where its main characters dressed exactly like Neo mm -hmm. and his team in The Matrix. And uh, the creators of The Matrix were most likely deeply inspired by that graphic novel. And they touch upon very similar themes. Mm. So I thought to myself, okay, I got to see The Matrix again because it's inspired so many people. I also got, last, ye last year I was also very obsessed with uh, Bruce Lipton, mm -hmm. who's a great epigeneticist, uh, who's uh, found out how, uh, how our genetics are much more malleable than we think they are. And he said that The Matrix is not fiction, it's a documentary. 100%. So that's why I was, I, was, I was determined to see The Matrix again. So I saw there, uh, the movie, saw that there is no spoon uh, scene, and then something happened because a few scenes later, Neo is about to rescue Morpheus. Mm -hmm. So he is in this huge action scene, and he whispers to himself, there is no spoon. And this is very subtle. I never ca caught that when I saw the movie 10 times when I was younger. I don't know if I have that either, actually. And I think most people don't because he literally just whispers it. Uh, and it, wasn't a, it was a barely audible whisper hmm. in, in the context of the film's audio. Huh. So for context, the scene of There Is No Spoon is that Neo, who is the one or the uh, man who will cha free people from the Matrix, a.k.a. Jesus, or mm -hmm. a.k.a. Buddha, or a.k.a. Eckhart Tolle. <laughs> uh, he uh, goes and sees the, uh, an oracle that would tell him if he's the one or not. Mm. And he sits down and talks to a little boy who is bending a spoon. Mm. And this little boy actually looks like a little Buddha because his hair is shaven off and he's wearing like a toga. And he, he asks him, like, how do you do that? And the little kid basically says... Uh, don't along the lines of don't see the spoon and don't see yourself because the spoon is only yourself and just bend yourself mm. and Neo tries doing that and he actually bends the spoon a little bit epic yeah, I, yeah. he just inspired so many people to watch The Matrix again so catch scene. why does he repeat that to himself before he saves Morpheus and does some daring feat of strength well I realized that there is no spoon ends up what the kid actually meant is that there is no distinction between you the spoon and everyone else mm. and the universe itself because if almost every single tradition every single religious tradition in the world and every single mythological story may be the 
the origin story from the from the Sumerians or uh, the origin stories from Buddha or Christianity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They all talk about how we started as a tiny little particle and exploded into the cosmos, aka the Big Bang. So mm -hmm. science also talks about that same story. The interesting thing is when you look at quantum mechanics, in quantum mechanics, there is a theory of quantum entanglement, which means that if you split one particle and put atom A seven miles away and atom B another seven miles away, if you turn atom A and spin it one direction, atom B also spins. And this has been tested in CERN hundreds of times. They tested it in seven miles. They tested it in 14 miles. They spun it. They wiggled it. Adam B also wiggled, and then they thought to themselves, wait, how is it actually, how much, how fast is this information traveling? And they thought to themselves, there's no way it could be faster than light, because information can't travel faster than light, according to the theory of relativity by Albert Einstein. And then they did a test again, and they realized there was zero time between Adam A spinning and Adam B spinning 14 miles away. So either information traveled instantaneously or something more spookier was happening. And Albert Einstein called this spooky action at a distance, which is quantum entanglement. When you split an atom, somehow on the quantum level, they react the same way. The interesting thing is, that is reflected also in every single religious and mythological tale, is that we all started from a size of a pea and exploded onto the cosmos into countless of atoms and particles. So in essence, if quantum entanglement actually exists with an individual particle, in essence also exists with every other particle that came from that single particle that was the origin of the Big Bang. Or you can call the origin God, or you can call the origin source. There's a bunch of uh, names for it. Well, and that's like also... You're saying the entanglement of like calling it source are also just the things that we're wanting to step into or allowing it to come in is that there is we're already entangled in it in the quantum field so we can just kind of step in or like mold into whatever it is that we're ready to, to become or to have. Precisely. You hit the nail on the head and you framed it so well. Why, thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, you're already entangled with whatever you want. So in essence, if you want money, uh, and that's a, definitely a concern of mine because I would love to have more money. Money is awesome. Uh, I could do so many wonderful things with it. And I thought to myself, especially after seeing this video in Paris and using my entire savings to go to Paris and uh, having no money after Paris, I thought to myself, wait a minute, I am no different from, my, from the money I want. I'm not separate from it. I'm not separate from the opportunities that provide me with that money. If I believe in the separation of it, it will only uh, persist. Mm. So by realizing that I'm not separate from the money and realizing that I am one with the money, I'm one with the opportunity, I'm one with the person who will give me the opportunity, I'm one with everything else in the universe, the money will come. And not only come, the money is already there. I am the money. And I am almost everything else. I love that. It's, yeah, the... Um Kind of brings us back like full circle, perfect way, going with everything circles oh, yeah. of the, it's not about hustling, it's about aligning and that everything is already here 
and being able to just chill out. When when in doubt, chill the bleep out has been the new phrase um, that's come through with a couple of friends over in Europe. I'm just like, listen, if there's a moment of doubt, just go chill the bleep out. Mm -hmm. Find that stillness that you were talking about and just like kind of dialing into the truth, like what's there. And we're going to have to do another episode because I feel we just really hit a stride of talking about entanglement that brings me into soulmates and twin flames and all the different things. I know we can go into so many different conversations around. Um, So we'll just record another episode in this like upcoming week or so. We'll launch it sometime. Um, But for this, the first taste of you uh, into the heart space, um, is there anything that we didn't talk about or I didn't ask you that you wish we would have talked about? Oh no, I just say stay tuned for part two of Into the Heart Space <laughs> as we talk about that we are already entangled with the lovers that we want in our lives. Because this is something I've been thinking a lot about. So we could talk about that next time. Uh, and I've also been a huge nerd of human sexuality. So <laughs> it's going to be a fun topic. Uh, just if you want to see more of my history videos, you can go to facebook.com slash urbanistlive. And I've explored all around the world, 13 different cities, and done over a thousand videos and talked about the craziest stories. So you can watch those. Perfect. You, um, great. So that's how people can find you. Is there any other way that people can find you? Is that the best way to contact you or see your work? Yeah. You can also search me on YouTube, Urbanist History of Cities. But if you want to read my spirituality mystic readings, you can go to my personal Instagram at the Ariel Vera. That's the one and only Ariel Vera, the Ariel Vera. Beautiful. And as always, there will be links in the show notes to get to him and any other various resources that we talked about. There's so many in this episode. I'm so excited to get to go listen back to this and just see how many value bombs were truly dropped in here. So thank you so, so much for your time um, and for your friendship. And uh, yeah, slayed it. And I'm really looking forward to the next one. This is, I can see it's going to happen super soon. Um, So for listeners, thank you for tuning in. And I trust that you've received so much that you're exactly where you need to be to receive. Um, Definitely tune in to The Urbanist and the different resources. And I will see you on the next episode. As always, please be you, be true, and stay beautiful. Ciao, ciao. All right, Starshines, that wraps up another episode of Into the Heart Space. As always, thank you for your presence and for your love and for being all that you are. For more information about what we're up to, if you want to explore working more with me one-on-one, whether that's Reiki healing, learning Reiki, or exploring any other you know, higher consciousness content that's being pumped out there, feel free to check out at heartspace.co or come over and say hello to me personally on Instagram at I am Kelly Keefe. I will see you next time. And as always, be you, be true, and stay beautiful. I love you so, so, so much. Ciao, ciao.